How Comical with your hosts, Andrew Glauner and Chris Ramos. Hello. Tonight, we do Doctor Strange. This is our little double feature. As you say, we're going to touch on a couple stories with uh, with the character, and we might touch on some possibilities with uh, The Multitude of Madness, the sequel to Doctor Strange. Andrew is the Doctor Strange resident expert, in case anyone was wondering. This yes. is his, ma- his man. This, this is uh, this is my, um, I guess my specialty is, is the magics of things and stuff, and the multiverse and extra dimensional stuff, and things that are not very kind. <laughs> He's not the ground level hero guy. He's the out in space. For and sure, and I have a Doctor Strange shirt on. So. The, the inner eye. Um, so yes. is this probably the one of the more popular ones? It is, um, definitely so. You could... Uh, trace uh, Doctor Strange back all the way to Steve Ditko and Stanley in the early, early sixties, early to mid sixties. I would say they had one of the most iconic runs to flush out the character and things like that. And then there, are, well, um, each writer's kind of did certain things with the character. When you're talking about magic, literally, there's nothing you can't do, but yeah. you have to put some sort of boundaries. <laughs> so you have to. It's uh, it's very like. Uh, you know, there's a co- to, like a cost to magic. There's certain physical things or certain you have to go through different boundaries or different rules for sure. With magic. So see, when Doctor Strange was kind of popping up through the Marvel Comics world back in the day, I mean, the, this this story. So this is Doctor Strange, a separate reality, reality. which is like two big storylines. Yes. And I do not have it in a physical form. So yes. Going so, against what we have said oh, in the podcast. Yes, but I have it. Andrew has it. Yes, has it and in the so I picked this up, God, maybe 10 years ago or so, and this is one of my first graphic novels that I picked up. And that got me into reading comics, being like loving magic and how it's portrayed in the comic form, and then just became one of my favorite characters to follow. So is there page numbers on that? How many pages is this? So this run? one is about 173 pages. All right. Yeah. Cause it, so the, uh, um, the only way that I could find it, that I, I didn't find that exact one sure. in digital, mm-hmm. but I did find the complete collection or I'm sorry, the Epic collection. Yes. Um, and, and, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, there's complete collections and Epic collections. They're both paperbacks, but one is like, I think just a short run. And then the Epic collection is like an entire huge series run. So it's, it's many, many, many pages. Um, sure. But the Epic collection on this one runs through, it's still called a separate reality. So if you're looking for yeah. it, uh, but it covers the Dr. Strange run that was happening from 1974 to 1987. It doesn't collect yeah. all of those. Right. It's just that's that a time period. period. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, so that's one of the stories we're going to talk about. And then another story we'll briefly touch on is Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom, Triumph and Torment. Which is super popular. Yes. Because that's one of the big highlight stories for him as well. Mike Mignola artwork. Yes. Yep. And that was under the Marvel original um graphic novels that they tried doing they were like 80 page stories oh yeah yeah, yeah along those lines where they said we're not going to actually even put this into comics just yep or even into the comic book run chronologically just you can write your own graphic novel which is its own story standalone and they just started pumping those out sure and those weren't very long either those were probably 100 100 just 100 pages maybe I think. yeah and i think this came out i think mid 80s if i'm if i'm thinking about it but uh, that one's written by um, 
uh, Roger Stern and Mike Mignola are the two big ones on that. Yes. Uh, Mark Badger. So that one is very cool because it's almost a road trip adventure uh, for Doctor Doom and Doctor Strange, two characters that should be mortal enemies, <laughs> but they find a way to help each other. The good and the bad the mixed the bad. in together. Yeah. But first, we're going to start with A Separate Reality. Um, a Separate Reality was written by Steve Englehart, and uh, the art was done by Frank Bruner. And what did you think? First hot take. Well, I mean, straight off the bat, what I did was I looked at the epic collection and kind of broke it down into what the the true storyline of A Separate Reality is based on Andrew's graphic novel, which is yes, like um, eight issues something like that. yeah so nine yeah. yeah so you know it, what i liked right away was uh number one it gives you a really good primer to what dr strange is because it just throws you right into the most like mystical cosmic yeah you know sort of dimension warping time traveling uh it's just it's everything that dr strange should be and sometimes you know i remember dr strange being a big part, uh, I guess the first time I really started noticing him was maybe like when the Infinity War came out. Sure. Maybe before that. Yeah. But like he played a huge role in the Infinity War. Right. Uh, because in- you got to get uh, characters from one side of the universe to the other side yeah. of the universe. And there's not a lot of characters yeah. that can do that. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and they always had him pop up. Like, I don't want to say that he was like a literary uh, crutch. Yeah, or, he's a Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, I think they call it. Yeah, yeah. he was like a, a save a savior guy. Like where yeah. you know, if you were working on a story, working on a story, and then you kind of worked your way into a corner, and you're like, "Geez, I don't know how to end this." That Magic. We need, yeah, yeah. We, we need something really, really fantastical <laughs> to happen. Right. And it was like, boom, Doctor Strange appears, and he's like, yeah. "What do you need?" And uh, yeah. he just warps whatever he wants and makes it happen. So absolutely, he was always like this thing that just appeared he was like the the dumbledore of like marvel <laughs> sure, the gandalf yeah uh, he was just the, like hey guys right i'm back and i've done some research and this is what we can do yeah uh so he he has popped up through the years like in spider-man and uh daredevil i mean just all the mm-hmm. all the avengers he always really right. popped up in he was part of the defenders yep that was day, that right? was one of the classic teams he was part of that yeah. was in the 70s mm-hmm. late 70s so yep. He has teamed up. I mean, he's just been part of the Marvel universe forever, I guess is a good right. way to say it. And he's always like teaching students and and you know, trying to educate like the Marvel Universe characters and just students just to carry on his legacy too. Yeah. Because that's how he kind of grew up and you know, learning his powers after his car accident, things yeah. like that. So he's trying to, you know, keep the legacy going and but trying to help people out. And you've always got the idea that he's just epically strong like yes. he's just like he, so he's super overpowered <laughs> yeah but like i always got this idea that dr strange was always like hiding like his true powers like yes. he was always like capable of a, a great many things but yeah he never like showed them all right he sure i guess used you could, the same you're kind of seeing that though in this story i believe yeah where he gets like really whittled down to like what do you have left and he's like i have this well what do you have left now well i have this, I have this. and it's yeah. like He's always got something, which sure. is which makes him. An he's always learning, character. and he's always that's maybe his one of his boundaries or one of his weaknesses is, or not swing strength, I guess. But uh, he's always learning, and you know if he can't, 
he's he's always got to try to think his way out of it. Yeah. The situation. Yeah. Like if he just meditates, he'll figure it out. Right. Yeah. Um, for sure. So why don't you give the rundown of what issues the actual uh, separate reality is? graphic novel is sure so this volume collects marvel premiere 9 and 10 12 and 14 and doctor strange volume 2 1 and 2 4 and 5 yeah so then the epic collection has the marvel premieres came out like 1972 the other doctor strange ones the the new doctor strange number one was mm-hmm. 1974 yeah so you know this we're talking classic a while like ago. bronze age yeah. marvel yep 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 so there's definitely a lot of action but it's still very dialogue heavy as well. I think for Frank Bruner, the artist on this shows like the mystical side of things, kind of taking what Steve Ditko did and just over making it over the top as well. Yeah. I mean, they do a really great job. If you, if, if you look at the artwork, even just each page, there's a lot to cover. So it's like, there's a lot happening. You know, the, the backgrounds are swirling mists or, you know, uh, exploding planets or, you know, there's just like, how do you adequately illustrate that he's um, in his mind instead of like in reality? And, you know, right. that's always been like the draw for people to read Dr. Strange sure. even from Steve Ditko of just like, how do you draw this like just so fantastically yeah yeah really just something that's totally outside of what you would imagine is happening yeah uh, and put it on a page and you know this story starts out in space which dr strange doesn't spend a lot of time in (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it was very interesting to like start out the story like that you're like oh what's he doing out in space in the first place i don't need to know he's just kind of traveling around you know he was um you know, the story starts out, we'll just briefly uh, get into it. He's looking for the ancient one. The ancient one was kidnapped by like aliens or something. And he's got to go find his master. That's like the ancient one. Um, that's his mentor that taught him all his powers and stuff like that. And in the Doctor Strange movie, that was the one that was played by Tilda Swain. Yeah. When the gender shifted the character. Yep. So Which same idea. Both, both roles were, you know, greatly done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same idea. Just um, someone who was. The, the the big takeaway from this though is that the ancient one is Doctor Strange's mentor and mm-hmm. sort of who Doctor Strange goes to when he gets stuck. And so yeah. this person has you know more knowledge than Doctor Strange. So yeah. then you're like, hmm, that's weird. Sorcerer right. Supreme. And so like, like the ancient one was the Sorcerer Supreme in his time. And then when Doctor Strange was, you know, learning his magic and stuff and he was battling bear Mordo and things like that and all the other villains and stuff the ancient one was like i can't do that anymore i'm <laughs> yeah. so old i can't really do that <laughs> so um, like 700 900 yeah he's like 700 years old <laughs> i think 600 something like that eons old and so he's like i'm gonna pass the the role on to you so it's very passing the torch and when you talk about that in the succession of you know that role um, you kind of protects like the universe. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, that's one of the first um, storylines in this book was the passing of the torch. Ancient one, he is passing on, and that's the only way for him to like be rid of one of the main uh, Doctor Strange villains, Shuma Gorath. Shuma Gorath. Dun, dun, dun. You would think, you know, that's the other thing that I really like about Doctor Strange is when you think of other uh, heroes like, 
I, you know, I think long ago we said we should stop jumping from Marvel to DC, but you know, <laughs> it, it's easy to do. Yeah. Um, so when you think of other uh, villains like like Batman's villains, right? They're all generally human. Yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, you know, you look at like uh, Spider-Man's and the Avengers and things. They get a little more a little more wacky. But like Doctor Strange, I really do like that. Like Shuma Gorath is just like a tentacled yeah, eyeball, squiggle, like the Thulu-like <laughs> monster. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I think that was probably where that inspiration came from. And you know, people see it as like, what is this? Like the Kraken or something? You know? Yeah. But like, then you realize that it's like infinitely powerful and so yep. you know world destroying you know universe collapse collapsing kind of thing and it's like all right so this form is is just an entity you know yeah you don't have to one of the person. the great great doctor strange villains because it takes so much power and so much energy and thinking outside the box to actually defeat this foe Yes, like, it, it, it's not a Avengers level threat where they just punch their way out. No, <laughs> no, no. It's like uh, getting into your mind and just like terrorizing you. Yeah, um, a lot of telepathy, a lot of strange magics that they're not used to, things like that. And so what happens is Shumar Golrath possesses the Ancient One, his master, and he's got to figure out how to get him out of that situation and save him from that and he literally has to like end his life <laughs> spoiler <Yeah. laughs> to to get through that you know there's a part too where uh, dr strange gets grabbed by shumagorath and and it's just holding him in its tentacles and then dr strange is like you know what well, i will just slip into my uh invisible form my spirit yeah form, the astral right? projection you know yeah. i'll just i'll just leave astral my form. body there and just sort of you know slip away this this you know yeah and schumer is like where are you going like it sees his spiritual form so which was like again another just sort of subtle nod that this is a definite definite serious threat right um but you know you i always (laughs) i mean everyone who has read dr strange and even in the i don't know if they do this in the movies a lot but he's always like Throwing out those phrases. They oh were, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the hoary host of Horgas. It's like or the Crimson Bands of Sidorak. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Like they did that a couple times in the movies, but they don't make a big thing out of no, it. No, yeah. He I is mean, always they're... like yelling his his powers, which is cool. Sure, I mean he still says them when he's like spell casting things most of the time, but yeah, it's not like the comics where he kind of if he's saying a very significant spell, he has to say it. Right. <laughs> You know, and you get the idea, too, that there's other magicians in the world and yeah. that they're all sort of in tuned and, and connected. So, you know, when you think of Doctor Strange as the Sorcerer Supreme, it's like, well, what does that exactly mean? Sure. And, you know, there's just there's mystical powers that he's able to tap into. And he has to. I think just like the quickness of thought you know, yeah. is what. Yeah, he, he can't take too to much know. time. He has to be very on his feet and just keep the story going. Yes. And I think Steve Englehart, the writer, he definitely, even though this has a lot of dialogue, he keeps that pacing going and he keeps you like in the story. Yeah. That's I, I, why you know, I enjoyed about his it. It really is good. And there's multiple storylines. There's, you know, it jumps back and forth to other characters. Right. Um, but it always comes back to Doctor Strange being like, torn you know he always has to make a decision that he doesn't want to it's kind of like part of his yeah character. absolutely that that the uh, cost of magic that that sacrifice yeah. the self-sacrifice that he has to make things like that and like he's above 
you know, he's thinking of things on a different level. Yeah. And that's what these universe, you know, yeah. ending decisions. Yeah. He's whatever. like, well, if this, you know, uh, if this person, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Goes into a coma, you know, mm-hmm. people are like, oh no. He's like, well, that just saved an entire universe. universe. You know, like he yeah. know he knows these things. Absolutely. Know? So he has to make the better call. Yeah. And it was also cool when he was fighting like Shumagorath, he was preying on his like his villains and like his worst fears and things like that. So you got to see like appearances of Dormammu. Um, that's like his other one of his other uh, big huge villains. You get to see Baron Mordo pop up, you get to see Nightmare. Some like if you're a first time like reader, I think this is a great like entryway. Just if you don't want to do an origin story, this is a great crash course through Doctor Strange. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's a good little primer instead of going all the way back for 20 years. Yeah. You know? And we also get uh to, you introduced to Clea, Doctor Strange's like comic book girl or girlfriend for like um it's not the first time, <laughs> but I would say this is one of her more significant appearances. Yeah. So it was cool. Well, she becomes part of the story as in like, it's his, I think, you know, she's a literary device also. Like she's his connection to humanity, just being Mm -hmm. a male and just like, you know, just being a person. Yeah. And so she is the daughter of Dormammu. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Ah, (laughs) Doc Strange knowledge up there. That's why he keeps her around. <laughs> well, not so much that she like rebelled against her father and, you know, she was, he wanted her to become like the ruler of his dark dimension that he rules over. And she's like, no, I don't want to be a part of that. I'm on the good side. I don't, I don't really believe in that, what you're doing. So, uh, yeah, she went up with him and, uh, you know, she's also like his apprentice as well. Yeah. So I mean, she's mega cool. powerful and yeah. that's cool. So that was a really cool storyline just to kind of set up what the tone of the book was, kind of give you the crash course, the trials of Doctor Strange, you could call it. So that was that was pretty cool. It's like the distance that he'll go to become even more powerful. You know, he's always sort of gathering objects and gathering power. And then it moves into the next storyline of, you know, what if he loses one of those objects of power? You know, what if he gets his... Sure. His eye taken. Yeah. So the the eye of the Agamanto is one of Doctor Strange's like relics that he uses literally for everything. <laughs> yeah. It, it is like every few pages he's like, I will, I will uh, address the eye. Yeah. And so the <laughs> what it does is kind of shows something's like true form or breaks any illusion, things like that. Or lets him. He, I think when he like helps him like power up a bit yeah like he takes his cape off but he like goes and meditates into the eye or something Mm -hmm. it's just it's his his inner uh spirit right like his inner Inner power yeah you could say yeah Yeah. it's the next level right so you know he's trying to piece together where this is all coming from who is doing that and we get kind of introduced to this Cagliostro character. Yeah. And so Cagliostro is this time hopping wizard, I guess, of some sort of sorcerer, which was a different villain of like, he was yeah. more, even more powerful than anything Doctor Strange has faced. And he already faced Shimagara. <laughs> I thought, so, I mean, like, again, we always encourage everyone to read these stories, so we don't want to like totally just yeah. spoil everything, but we encourage you to read it. But mm-hmm. the overall idea is that there is 
magicians out there that are constantly seeking power. And, yes. You know, Dr. Strange is definitely everyone's fighting for power. Yeah. Like yeah. he's doing the same thing, but he's also sort of keeping he's, the balance. He's yeah. He's like doing the Indiana Jones where he's like gathering artifacts to protect them from mm -hmm. falling into the wrong hands. But then while he's doing that, he's also sort of secretly powering himself up. Yeah. So it's sort of like, you know, got to collect them all kind of thing where sure. he's the sorcerer supreme and it's sort of his job to make sure that uh, there's a balance, right? Mm -hmm. So then um, Cagliostro finds out that there's a finite amount of magical power in the yep. whole universe. That's mm -hmm. just, that's what it is. And everyone that's alive that can tap into it uses a portion of it. Yeah. So if you have, oh you know, yeah, because he does all like he goes to different time periods. Yeah, so like he's like, if you've like got, I absorb yeah, the magic. If you've got a thousand people tapping into it, okay, fine, you got to split that power a thousand ways. But he's like, you know what? If I go farther back in time, mm -hmm. then I'm going to be tapping into this power that other people have not. Yes. Touched yet. Right. Which makes me stronger. Sure. Okay, that's cool. So story. that's that's a very in-depth and detailed story, but it's really cool to follow along and see the progression and the build of that story. It's just like Steve Englehart's just sitting back, like, how about this story? Right. How about, you know, and that's what they did. Just come Absolutely. up with wacky and stuff. And you get to kind of touch on, you know, Merlin when he, you know, Kagosho goes back to steal his power, kind of and introduce more like wizards and uh, different characters throughout time. Yeah, kind of, and, and the other cool thing that. was that he destroyed a city. Yeah. Uh, and then you, it kind of like pulls, the camera kind of pulls away a little bit. Right. And you see that that was like Sodom and Gomorrah, and you're like, oh, that's a cool little Bible reference there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. it's like affecting history. Yeah. And then, you know, Merlin. Because it's this butterfly Richard. effect that you're like, oh, yeah. is this going to affect like time for all yeah, yeah and you're like yeah. oh so these events happen sure. and that's how they happen yeah. i always like that when people go back in time and then it's like oh we accidentally just yeah you know made the hindenburg crash and that yeah. was part of this mm -hmm. because we're time travelers absolutely and this was back when dr strange really didn't have any handlebars on his character where uh, you could do anything like he found a way to time travel just by reading it. Yeah, right. Just, right. And I mean, this. we do see that in the movie with uh, the time stone and things like that, but not on this scale where he's going back like decades and uh, going back into the past so much. Well, and in the comics, I think like you, you, you hit, more it, right, you hit it right on that. He was just like, I have to go learn this. And like, boom, I learned it. You yeah. Know? It's like, mm -hmm. OK, that yeah. moves the story along at a really fast pace. But at the same time, uh you you can't get too caught up in like the details of it you have to get kind this, of accept it <laughs> yeah you like you have to ride yeah. this storm of what's yeah. going on absolutely um so that was really cool to explore that space and just different villains because he's not a regular recurring villain either bear mortal does show up but and he goes t i'm going to beat you dr strange <laughs> i'm like oh okay but he's like trying to do a power grab too and work under Calgliostro. but Calgliostro's like i don't care about you <laughs> yeah he's like i'm going to become a god so right i really don't care yeah i mean bear mortal in his own sense is a good arch rival for um dr strange because he's on like the same power level as him almost but it's he's very minor role in this story. Yeah, and Shumagorath comes again, um, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and it shows like Shumagorath like uh, with his big eyeball and all his tentacles like uh, choking a bunch of cavemen, and <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, what's going on here? And Doctor Strange <laughs> says, 
that's like early man and mm-hmm. uh Gorath used to dominate the yeah. earth for millennia yeah, he was like around at the start of creation yeah and like so that. it's like if if this happens that he we let him do this then right. man won't actually even ever evolve so mm-hmm. and it was a cool callback when steve eaglehart's like writing he's like i want to bring back this awesome villain that i love to write about into the story how can i do that yeah yeah and, and it's it, but that's the cool thing it just lets them kind of continue and just throw the story around you know the artist mm-hmm. and the writer can just keep moving the story in any direction they want and there's few characters in comics anywhere where you're allowed to just constantly mix it up yeah. You know, I, I bet people really love working on Doctor Strange. Right. You get to have so much fun and a lot of freedom with the character. Yeah. Absolutely. And then uh, the last story is actually probably, it starts out very weird, but it's also one of my favorites, is where he fights this villain called Silver Dagger. Um, yeah. Silver yeah. Dagger. <laughs> so Silver Dagger finds a way to kill Doctor Strange. You're like, what? He's just <laughs> you a, just killed a yeah. like, main character. He's just another magician. Yeah, he's just another magician, you know. But he's like this assassin thing. He's like, oh, I can I can pierce your barriers and all your magic, and I can I can find a way to kill you. He's like, with what? this silver dagger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so Doctor Strange finds a really obscure way to come back from back from the dead. And so that's like, how do you do go on this like grand scale of things, first of all? But it was really cool. Um, you got to introduce the, the orb of Agamotto and nobody's heard of that. Mm-hmm. So that was a very new thing. You're like, okay, we've heard about the eye of Agamotto. What's this? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then um, just flipping through page by page too, mm-hmm. the artwork is really, really, I think, spot on for this story. Each page has its own huge story to tell. And it, it really... They, they, I think they finally found a really good gel uh, working together on this one. Um, the colors and like the backgrounds aren't nothing necessarily anything like super exciting, but the the characters are really, really close to the uh, camera like all the time. You know, yeah. they're, like, they're filling the panels, and I think it's really fun. Sure. And I think, especially when this is like, like I said, one of my first graphic novels. This kind of said, this is what Marvel art is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is what I identify as, like Doctor Strange's classic costume and how it's supposed to look. <laughs> yeah. Not to say that what they did in the movies was bad. It just, it was different. And I think maybe we'll start getting back to this because they took out a lot of the yellows of everything. Mm-hmm. And because they just kind of left it like red and blue. And I was like, oh, but where's like the yellow gloves and like the yellowness in his cape? Yellow trim and the stash. Yeah, yeah, the stash. (laughs) And like everything else too is like uh, every panel, every or every page has some sort of heroic pose or someone screaming or some sort of you know over exaggerated gesture, and And that's just what it is. Yeah, and I think they took it like the concept like Kirby dots and the way Steve Ditko drew magic, and they said, okay. Let's keep doing that, but let's like make it grandioso. The let's next make, level. The next level. Absolutely. So um, we definitely encourage you fellow readers out there in the world to, yeah, check out the story. We, we really enjoyed it. And there's just a lot of surprises that you'll, you'll come across in the story. You're like, what's that? How, how can he 
possibly overcome this and the different conversations he's having with these cosmic and mystical like entities it's it's pretty incredible what they accomplish yeah and a lot of times he becomes the reader so that you are you know flying through space with him and figuring out things with him because he's like what's that up ahead Mm -hmm. what is this and you're you're sort of right there with him and so you kind of get caught up in his humanity side of it which is a a big factor all the time because he's up against characters and ideas and themes like eternity and yeah and and, death you know yeah like (laughs) that was the big one for me i was like whoa yeah like very philosophical he's like i'll figure this out and so it it's really um you know you can tell why dr strange became so uh, popular and you know he got his own series that's really what this separate reality yeah puts into play is that it went to Doctor Strange number one. So, okay, he's got his own series now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I guess we can start talking about the second uh, story that we read. Yes. Which was called Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom, Triumph and Torment. And this, is, this is the double feature part of it. Yes, the greatest <laughs> double feature. <laughs> oh, we did it. Doctor Strange and Doctor <laughs> Doom, Triumph yes. and Torment. Right. And so this one was written by Roger Stern. And illustrated by uh, Mike Magnola, Hellboy fame. Mm-hmm. And Mark Badger did the inks and coloring on it. So right off the bat, going into this, I didn't know if I would even like this story because of the art. And, you know, we talk about, oh, you know, this is the same uh, illustrator that did Hellboy, like, and wrote it. It's like, oh, okay, um, I know what that looks like because it's very, very ink heavy and the blacks and the shadows he does a lot with. This has none of that style. <laughs> no. So he did all the pencils, which you can kind of see where he's starting to kind of form this art style that we would come to know. But when Mark Badger approaches his art, it's very like color pencil and very organic, I guess. That's how I described it. How yeah. would you describe it? So, I mean, I think what happened was, um, and, and I'm sure if I looked this up it's probably not true but you know mike mignola had a a really fast art style and i my guess is that he could pound out pages really really quickly sure and that was one of the biggest draws for like john byrne and other Mm -hmm. artists was like they could just pound out pages like and kirby Mm -hmm. i mean jack kirby everyone says my gosh jack kirby worked on like four books a week and he was just pounding out 30 pages a week which is just unheard of um I think Mike Mignola's artwork is, like you said, starting to get to that uh, minimalistic style where, you know, if you look at some panels, it's like there's just a hillside or a tree or, you know, there's a lone figure walking in like the shadows and, um, you know, just like part of a building and like a bird. And, you know, he started to really strip down what you needed to look at on a comic book page. Mm -hmm. Like he said, okay, you want to, okay, we're flying across country. Here's a plane. Here's some hillside. Boom. Right. You know, okay, we're chopping through the jungle. We're in a cave. Yeah. Yeah, What does that look like? Here's a guy here. Boom. And he did a really good job of kind of getting the scene across really fast. Mm -hmm. I think some critics of Mignola would say that his characters are not, um uh unique enough where mm. like each character looks like other characters sure you know? it's just sort of like oh here's a big bulky guy and now that's the thing and here's a big bulky guy and now that's cable and here's a big bulky yeah because he Colossus. definitely broke away from the norm 
for yeah. sure. So he's like, okay, you want bulky guys? That's that. You want skinny mm-hmm. guys? Here you go. You want yeah. Dr. Strange? You know, Dr. Strange looks like uh, Tony Stark. I mean, it's yeah, like, okay, fine. For sure. You know, he's just, yeah. so I he wasn't, that coming from. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't really pulling too much out where some of the really, really uh, standout artists uh, from Marvel and DC and other indies, each person, each character has such a unique look. Yeah, Like, you know who that is without even looking at the whole page. Mm-hmm. So, I will say, though, the more you invest in the story, the more you appreciate the art. And then it gives you a sense of place and yeah. a sense of the tone that uh, Roger Stern was going for when he was writing this. I think if you don't have that, one of the two could balance each other off. Well, okay, so here's not to get in too much of a rabbit trail, but hmm. <laughs> like, okay, so you know, like in movies where you're watching and there's like a horror, uh, violent scene and it shows like everything, right? Yeah. And there's like nothing left to the imagination. It's mm. just like, wow, that was a super violent scene, right? Okay. Then when you get to a horror movie and like violence or some sort of the camera pans off and then you just hear a scream, yeah. you know, you kind of fill that in mm-hmm. your head, right? Yeah. Like you fill in the scene. So Mignola, I think, does that for us is like he's pushing the story along and he's pushing the uh, all of the the dialogue. But like he doesn't need to fill in every single tiny little piece. Yeah. And some artists, for some reason, some artists who do that look lazy. But I think mm-hmm. Mignola actually does it where he's really paying attention to like negative space yeah, absolutely yeah people, letting it breathe a bit yeah and like sometimes it's in really tight sometimes it's out really far sometimes it's like an explosion sometimes there's 20 people on the page so i i think he has a good handle of it but you're right the coloring and the you're, inking is just sort absolutely. of like really because we're sparse. you know we're, we're kind of comparing the two stories as we go along when we can but like like the first story the coloring is the coloring on the art is very tight and you know it's very like stylized and things like that. Yeah, this is very organic, and like you said, the there's more space in the panel, and you're kind of letting the the art drive the story more. I would right, say. and and it actually is very traditional in this time where the yes. panels are super square, mm-hmm. where like in the stra- a separate reality. Yeah. Sometimes the panels are upside down. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's like sure. the eye of Agamotto is like shattering the page, you know. Right. And so like they had a lot of more freedom. This is very much like a. Uh, an actual comic strip, like yeah. almost like they laid out the page and said, "Now fill in." And these this squares. story is way more grounded than separate reality right. is for sure. This is taking place on Earth, and for the most part, and you know, it's it's kind of has this calmness to it, and it like the story still does a really good job. It's not t- tone, not carried down by dialogue as much as the first story is. Mm-hmm. The separate reality. It, um, Roger Stern does a very good job of giving us uh, a lot with a little said. Yeah. Yeah. So the overall story is that Dr. Strange is um, noticing that Dr. Doom is meddling in things that are not to be meddled in. And that's where <laughs> yes. Dr. Strange usually jumps in and says, yeah. hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. You're yeah. going to like break everything if mm-hmm. you keep going. So in this one, he's like, I'm going with you and we're going to figure this out together, which is kind of like, okay, he's like a for short. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it, it kind of starts out with this called uh, call to arms or a, a gathering of sorts of, of magic users in the in this Marvel world that Roger Stern is, is doing. 
And it's like, oh, come together. You know, we have to do this succession power thing. It's almost like a tournament power of sorts, or this only happens once a millennia, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. And we we need, you know, this is put on by like some of the entities that we, we uh, use their powers of. Then they say whoever is the winner of this contest uh, gets one wish granted um, or one favor granted, I guess, from the Sorcerer Supreme. And so they're like, oh, okay, that sounds pretty cool. All right. <laughs> and so none of these other characters that other magic users were notable. So that was kind of cool just to see like different cultures having like mm-hmm. uh, a magician mm-hmm. or a supreme or whatever they decided to. So that was kind of cool. If you were to do the story today, it would be all well-known characters and things like that, um, which they did later on. But Because there's plenty of magic users. There's only one sorcerer, sorcerer supreme. supreme. Yep. And Doctor Strange, I'm sorry, Doctor Doom. I don't know if many people realize, but Doctor Doom hasn't he hasn't like adequately been introduced in the MCU. Yes, movies. I mean, <laughs> he was in the yeah uh, the bad Fantastic Four movie, but sure, he is a awesome character. I mean, yeah. he's probably my favorite villain in all of Marvel. Uh, okay, uh, easily because he's mm. just got so many different layers to him and he's a fantastic four villain and i'm a big fantastic four fan so yeah he just has to be that powerful and he um his mom was a gypsy witch yes and she sort of delved into yeah (laughs) yeah it's like she was like uh uh into what uh, uh witchcraft uh, and things like yeah, that all that kind of stuff um just because they're you know the traveling gypsies you know the their sort of family that they were traveling with they were always kind of tormented and and teased at and things like that and she said oh enough's enough with that yeah <laughs> the authorities won't help me i will take it upon myself to figure out a way and so dr doom was there with her and he was just as driven and yeah through his life he was always competing with Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards from yep. Fantastic Four. And then uh, eventually he kind of got into the sort of the darker side of uh, magic, which is like, if you look at like Reed Richards, he's very science. Yes. He's very like real and mm-hmm. physics. And then Dr. S- Doctor Doom went into the mystical Sure. Uh, After he, yeah, I guess he started with that. Yeah, he started with magic, and then he kind of got as far as he could, and then said, "Well, I hit that, I hit the wall there. What can, what can science do for me? And how can I, you know, combine the two and hybrid yeah. two? And so he's like super powerful, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it is a in this story you notice as Doctor Doom and Doctor Strange sort of team up a little bit. Um, you notice just how strong they, you know, yeah. both are. Like, Absolutely. Wow. You know, yeah. Doctor Doom's holding his own, and he's sure he's. Uh, we were we were joking that he is like the hammer, and uh, <laughs> Doctor Strange is like, let's think about this, and then right. Doctor Doom just goes in and nah. just starts like, <laughs> I got no time for that, blasting everyone with lightning or something. Yeah, yeah. I'll take care of this, right? <laughs> and I would say, you know, Doctor Doom isn't as powerful or as adapt as Dr. Strange is when it comes to magic, but he knows enough to dabble around with it. Yeah. And he knows enough to like muscle his way through. Yes. Right. So he, he could just sort of, if he gets into trouble, I think he could just pound his way out yeah. with, with, he doesn't prefer power. it. 
compared yeah. to like pew 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 with yeah. his <laughs> with his armor. <laughs> but he definitely still uses it from time to time. So uh Dr. Doom is his his mom was taken by Mephisto. Yep. Because you is, never make a deal with Mephisto. No. <laughs> and, and Mephisto is like Marvel's version of the, the devil. devil. Yep. And, and that's pretty much what that, that is. That is the one villain, I guess, in the whole Marvel universe where fans right now are like, when are we getting with this? I know they need Where, where is it? Where is it? Come on. Well, that would be like next. That would take them into the next level. Of yeah. Like, this is now getting into another layer. The real, yeah, the real uh, devil portion of this. Right. Which would open up like, the Scarlet Witch. It would, it would open up a lot, right? Yeah. So I think at a lot at of characters point, have interacted with Mephisto, and you know yes. he's that villain that you can't beat. You just can't. Yeah. <laughs> and if they introduce the Celestials and stuff, I mean, heck, it's time. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, um, there's always like. I don't know, like there, you could see an M somewhere or you could see like a character smiling extra yeah. hard or people are really trying to read into it's it like, so much. And I'm just waiting yeah, for yeah. Kevin Feige to like rip off his, uh, like a mask or something. Goes, I am the best. Like, ah! It's like that person's wearing a lot of red. <laughs> yeah, right. Even yeah, reading into the color palette of something. Yep. You're like, what? <laughs> so Dr. Doom has been his whole life trying to find out how to free his mother from Mephisto. And so yes. he has her gone, soul is trapped in his yeah. dimension and his rip. He's gone to the, the hell dimension many times. He's always been beat. And so mm -hmm. he's just constantly, constantly trying to figure it out. Yep. But then when you get down there, you realize that Mephisto is like, mega powerful like yeah. even dr strange is like we got to get out of yeah here. we only have like minutes to do it because <laughs> i can't keep this up all day i'm doing better than you are right now but yeah we gotta you know hurry up with this yeah. <laughs> we gotta figure it out and so they make an alliance um with each other to free his mother's soul and they kind of figure out how to get there strange helps him with that but once they get there he's like okay this is all you <laughs> for sure. Like lead the mm -hmm. way. Um, you know, they, he definitely, Mephisto definitely tempts doom with trying to, you know, freeze mother's soul and have him betray Dr. Strange and things like that. And so you kind of figure out this dynamic of how do these characters work with each other and they're going to still stick to what they do. And, you know, Dr. Doom is still evil, even though he makes this alliance with them, he's still going to be act like Dr. Doom. Yeah. Yeah. And I like too, like when they finally do catch up with Mephisto that, you know, Dr. Doom has, um, a little bit of a, uh, a trick, like, like yes. they're trying to pull like, a trick <laughs> on him, you know? And so right away, Mephisto's like, never trusted me. he's like, you mortals seek to deceive the Prince of deception. You yes. know, it's just like, <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. Um, and so they start battling Mephisto and it's like the, both of them are just hammering him and Mephisto's just standing there. So yeah. that has always been a huge, huge, huge story in Marvel comics. Like they set a rule, like they set up this huge um, storyline like Thanos or um, like Celestials or mm -hmm. uh, these cosmic um, entities, the, yeah. the living tribunal. Yeah, I mean, these are all eternity. like mega huge. These are know, ruling forces of the universe. Galactus, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so, it's almost like you set up a rule that this can never break or like this can never fall or, you know, like imagine that there's a, you know, a hundred ton block of 
granite or mm-hmm. something and you're like wow nothing could break this and then yeah. of course the next step is something breaks it so yeah that's what marvel really does a good job of is like setting up these power levels yeah where you think wow this character's crazy overpowered like yeah. we we're just talking about dr strange well he can do anything so <laughs> yeah. when he runs up against someone mm-hmm. and they just stand there and just take it yeah you're like okay this is serious yeah so, absolutely and each writer in their own way between both stories finds ways of doing his power set different or finding like unconventional ways to handle the situation and that's why I always appreciate it. You're always like, oh, that's a different twist on that. Okay, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Well, and like, and here, you know, I'm kind of flipping through some of the pages where they're actually down in Mephisto's yeah. region. You know, this is where Mignola's artwork, I think, really yeah, shines. Yeah, really comes up. Which is funny because it's like they're in hell and it's like, oh, Hellboy kind of stuff. Yeah, but sure. He he does a great job of like just putting in the basics like all you need to know is that you know dr strange is powering up and all you need to know is that there's you know crazy amounts of of uh you know yeah lightning and beams of energy demons and and things like that yeah and it's like and then through it all you just see one figure standing there while the whole page is a wreck of just like magma and lightning and storms and so you know they really did kind of think about like who is going to be the focal point of each page? And mm-hmm. That's why I think Magnolia yeah. is really good. And just to touch on uh, Mark Badger, the uh, inker and the colorist. He did when you get down into like the sort like in the story, the use of color and the use of lighting mm-hmm. that he illustrates in this on point. Like that, yeah. that's really his strong suit when it comes to this. It's not traditional by any means, but like when you see magic and the different weird colors that he can produce with that, some of like neons and the pinks and things and the blues really shine through. Well, I mean, and this is when they were painting these panels. Yeah. Like with watercolor paint, gouache, you know, all that stuff. Okay. They're really like actually filling in this with not, not a computer. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. The kind of old school approach. Yeah, to it. yeah. So they have to break down these into like what's the color scheme of this story going to be and what's yeah. you know this battle going to turn out to be is it largely green is it largely orange is it mm-hmm. and actually when you look at the battle of when they're finally fighting mephisto yeah um dr strange and dr doom are using lots of greens and yeah and yellows and then all of a sudden the whole battle shifts to red and you're yeah. like oh it's you so lost. cool and it, <laughs> it kind of uh, you know gives that emotional like intensity to it like do 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 yeah and especially it, it sets this part uh, sell from like um, the flashbacks and scenes like that because then they'll gray it out and say this is clearly a flashback and or we're gonna do backstory right now and things like that explainer so I thought yeah. that was cool too I'm not saying that they had more um, uh, more to think about back then you know mm-hmm. as far as colorists go but like nowadays I mean you have to you can kind of put together your ske- your color scheme in the computer and then if you don't really like it you can just like oh that's changed yeah <laughs> uh, we're back then it's like they had to really think every panel out and like how is this going to progress and sure um really more to it invest works, in. Yeah, yeah it works well with the story the story is really a lot of fun and if you're a fan of dr stranger dr doom i mean this this fits the bill because these are two main characters that were probably considered the stronger magic users of this time. I mean, this yeah. came out in the 80s, right? Yeah, you I would know? say so. Late, late 80s. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, everyone wants to see a team up. Everyone wants to see, you know, yeah. who, you know, who is going to 
fight the Muhammad Ali of the comics. Right, you and know? these, I would say before this story, it would be hard to imagine these two characters you know, coming across and fighting each other um, unless you know there was something big cosmic going on, something yeah. huge beyond belief like Infinity Gauntlet or something like that. And it was cool just to see that kind of do it on a little more smaller scale and kind of be more intimate with the characters and see how they would approach the situation. <laughs> well, and I can imagine that the Marvel Comics the bullpen mm -hmm. uh, threw together a bunch of ideas and said, hey, you know what? Doctor Strange is pretty popular. Doctor Doom is becoming pretty popular. And you know what? Let's throw them together into a story and yeah. put out a graphic novel because mm -hmm. that's what they did. So this was a standalone graphic novel totally outside yep. of the actual comic book individual monthly sure. series. And this was only about 80 pages too. So it's yeah, it's brief enough that it's about, it's about the length of like four issues. So it just it keeps... It keeps it together and it tells a really cohesive story. It's kind of like if you had a monthly series of uh, novels or a monthly comic strip in the newspaper or something, and then they said, hey, take these characters and just do a standalone story. Yeah. That's exactly what this was. And they gave the artists and writers sort of some freedom to work on a project that wasn't dependent on years and years of continuity and years and years of like, what's this going to do to the character? It was just like, yeah. Let's break out, do this story. This is a little side quest, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, like absolutely. for them as characters. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, uh, maybe someday down the road, they reference it in the comic book. Say like, hey, remember when we went and fought Mephisto? Yeah, I mean, uh, this still, cool. I mean, after the story, they still occasionally, when they do talk to each other, they, they have that respect for each other. Yeah. And that, that still perfect. resonated, I think, throughout everything. You talk about like Jonathan Hickman's run on Avengers and mm -hmm. like when they're tearing through universes and blowing up universes, like he's right up there. The Secret Wars, totally. Yeah. <laughs> that was totally a big thing. Well, I mean, everyone knows heroes and villains have sort of an odd respect for each other. Yeah. You know, it's just part of it. Sure. So, um, so yeah. And then, you know, um, Doctor Strange is going to have his own movie coming out uh, in a, like a month or so. I think it's I think it's in May, mid May that's coming out, and so we're really having high hopes for that movie, and we'll see how they break the universe and that. So that'll be really cool to see, and what kind of weird stories we can get out of that. Too. And we're ready, we're ready, we're doing our reading ahead of time just to revisit some of these old stories, and we encourage you to also do that. Yeah, get some more flavor of Doctor Strange, see what you know, explore what the character can do and what he's all about, and how powerful he is, <laughs> and how important he is too. Yeah, right. Yeah, how absolutely. So this has been another great uh, episode of Bam Pow Comic Con. Double feature. Double feature. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is Andrew Glanner. And Chris Ramos. Signing off. Bye-bye.